Hey, I got some business I got to take care of before we start the show. Um, okay, you're going to the bathroom. Yeah, well, uh, you know that rabbit story we did from Wilton Manor with the rabbits hippity-hopping all through that? Yeah. That uh, suburb? Well, yeah. that came yeah. from the New York Post. Okay. And that's the major news source of Jason Otto, one of our active contributors. Oh, and yeah. I forgot to mention him last week. It's, I don't Uh-oh. know how many weeks in a row I haven't done it, but he brought it to my attention, but requested that if we don't put it on the show. So I figure if I do it in the green room, it's not on the show. And we'll be okay. So that's it. That's all I had to do. Just wanted to make sure I got that in there before we started. You know what? The bro show. Okay. Well, I'm ready to go. You ready to go? Yeah. Hey, it's the bro show. And you're here. You're here right here with us. Right on. I'm here. No, no, no. I'm talking to the audience when I do that. It's a device. Oh, okay. Oh, I was, it's it's I a device. Just, I just want to like, tell you, I do listen to you. I'm a listener, too. I listen to you. Oh, man. This is getting deep. This is getting deep. I don't know what to say. Okay, John. Well, hey, you know, since I am kind of talking to the listeners of the show, I was just going to mention a few things, if that's okay with you. Is that all right? Go for it. I'm all, all ears. Right. Yeah, this is the Bro Show. My name is Jerry, and my name is John. All right. See, we're over the I hump can... now. We're over the hump. Hey, it's yeah. all downhill. Yeah, yeah. Well begun is half done. So, anywho's, uh, yeah, we we do this every Saturday. Well, we publish the episode every Saturday. And hey, John, this is the 14th season that we've done. We have a six month wow. season. Yeah, and it's the ninth episode, so you know we're like we're getting into the seven hundred club here. Not to equate oh, ourselves with the religious programming. Those numbers, numbers those, these are tired. big numbers. These are big numbers. Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some stuff. We mm. have four things we talk about, and you'll see yep. what they are. They're pretty pretty interesting, and uh, it's gonna take about twenty five minutes. So buckle up, uh, get yourself together. And uh, on with the show. What are hey, you wearing, hey, you know what? Well, yeah. What I'm, are you wearing? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm protesting this whole thing about weather. I'm wearing a long sleeve T-shirt today. What? I, yeah, I'm tired of people saying it's hot. It's warm. So I am wearing my uh, meerkat uh, bat baseball shirt with the, the meerkats with bats. Uh, it's black. So that means when I go out in the sun, it'll absorb whatever uh Heat is provided. So that's what I'm wearing. I'm wearing the Meerkat Long Tee. What do you got on? Wow, that's no. extraordinary. I w- you caught me by surprise with that one. <sighs> yeah, well, I figured, I'm, you know, I, that's what I did. Okay, so I'm wearing a Bro Show t-shirt. Uh, and it has, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a dark blue, not navy, but just kind of dark. And uh, it's Technicolor, John. It's the Technicolor Fist Bump. Oh, the Techie Tee. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Good. I love this T-shirt. It's wonderful. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it, it, it suits me. It definitely suits me. Hey, don't we have a sponsor? Yeah, we do. We got the good old Animal Legal Defense Fund. Tell it's me about a 501c3 it. nonprofit organization that's out there to protect the lives and advance the interest of those critters through the legal system. They accomplish this by filing these high-impact lawsuits to protect animals from harm. They provide free legal 
assistants and training to prosecutors, the ones who decide to take the high road when it comes to becoming a lawyer and work for the animals, not be an ambulance chaser. And so and they're held accountable. And what they do is also support tough animal protection legislation. And boy, besides that, one of the key things they've got is they've got some swag. Oh, they do. They do. And you know what? That swag that they have is over at Bonfire, and we have links to it in our show notes. We also have links to our own swag. Uh, we have Season of the Rabbit. That is our season right now. Our seasons are named after animals. Yeah, we have Season of the Rabbit t-shirts and mugs, and all of the funds we collect go to the Animal Legal Defense Fund. We don't. We are squeaky clean. We are. We are. So- we it feels so good, John. Uh, it does. I mean, I get up every morning and I just say, I'm so glad we're squeaky clean. We don't collect any money from anybody. You know, how, notice how well you sleep, too, be, with being squeaky yeah. clean. Yeah, it, it's incredibly good. And it's just lovely. Uh, and we've had some listeners, uh, you know, drop or off us notes in the comments and stuff like that. The yeah. Animal Legal Defense Fund, contrary to what a couple of the listeners thought initially, it's not a group of animals who practice law. Okay? <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought I needed to mention that because uh, uh, I, get tired, I get tired of clarifying this. And no, they probably thought they were rabbits too, right? But they thought that the animal changed every season. It, it got all confused. It got, it got all confused. You know, we have active oh, well. listeners. We have confused listeners too. You are and being so. I just thought I used naive. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. not go any further than that. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I thought I thought I should mention that. Okay. okay. So we have a rabbit story though. Oh, this rabbit every, story. Oh, this is a good one. I mean, we oh. decided to 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 hip, hippity hop down a little bit of trail, the movie trail actually. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the infamous killer rabbit in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, movie. And that's just a movie made back in 1975, wow. British comedy spoof, uh, satirizing the uh, author, uh, the King Arthur legend. And uh, just to note that the, one of the things that made this movie extremely funny is the very skimpy budget of $200,000 which becomes very evident when you see the production value of the film. Well, the, uh, the question you end up asking is, what did they spend the money on? <laughs> <laughs> so the action centers around the uh, Knights of King Arthur's In Search of the Holy Grail. And as they make this journey, they're directed to a cave where the location of the grail is set, said to be written. Yeah. And the entrance to this cave is guarded by the killer rabbit of Serbanog. Yeah, yeah Serbanog. And of course, you know, when you think about it, uh, a lot of times, you know, there's certain animals even to this day that we look at a bulldog or some dogs fall into this category. You just look at them and laugh. Well, the idea of a warm, fuzzy rabbit, uh, you know, being the one who's been given this uh, enormous ta- task of, of of guarding the this the location seems to be a little bit too much, and but what's <laughs> interesting, yeah, you know, so you can talk a little bit about how the action evolves as it relates to it because these 
But I, I think what we're going to end up with, and I and you can talk a little bit about more than I can, is the fact that there is something very there's an inside story here that people don't realize. Yeah, how funny this is. The inside joke is really the best joke. So, what is, yeah. what's your 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 read on exactly how this all evolves and how ridiculous it just adds to the the, the ridiculous yeah. nature of the movie actually. So. Yeah, it it does. It does. If the if the movie wasn't already satirical and and farcical and absurd enough, and by the way, it's a classic. If you haven't seen it, then where have you been? You know, you want to uh, see this? That's a good yeah, question. Right? I've been asking myself, yeah. where have I been? I haven't seen it, but that's another yeah. story. Well, you've got a brother to help you out, and, and yeah, and you know what? We are the brothers. We are the brothers that help everyone out. That's our yes. job. We're doing it right now. So. You know, if you haven't seen a movie, you can continue to listen. We won't spoil it for you. But uh, <laughs> I don't think we could. <laughs> no. So anyway, here's the story. The story is that back in medieval times, uh, a lot of these artists that would do the paintings and stuff like that in medieval times, especially the and, you know, a lot of the paintings that were done were commissioned by the Holy See. They were uh, they were commissioned by the pontiff, by the pope. So uh, they were religious in nature, obviously. But you know what? These, these Renaissance and, and medieval painters, they inexplicably would put a rabbit in these paintings every once in a while. And I know you're going to think well, I'm messing with you. I almost used another word there, John. I yeah. controlled myself. So you look, you're going to think we're messing with you, but we're not. This is the honest truth. And you can look it up. we got a link to it. There's an article written about it, and it's not messing with you either. These little bunnies appear. Now, there's not thousands of them. You know, there's usually one or two or something like that in the background or, or where you can't hardly see them in paintings. They're all over the place. So the Monty Python guys go, wow, you know, these Renaissance and medieval painters have been messing with us for years with these bunnies, why don't we mess with the audience with a bunny skit inside of the Holy Grail? And right. given it's you know written around the same time and all that, so yeah, sure, why not? So they have this cave, and it's being guarded by a killer rabbit. And they get up to the cave, and they carefully look over the rocks, and all these Knights of the Round Table kind of guys that are on the, on the quest for the Holy Grail, they look over the rocks, and they look down there. Oh, there's a, there's a cute little white bunny. It's a rabbit. It's not a little bunny. It's a, it's a rabbit, full-grown rabbit, but yeah. just a regular-sized rabbit. And the, and the guy goes, "Whoa, it's nothing. It's just a rabbit. You know, oh, the yeah. bunny, the bunny, you know, and all like that. They make fun of it. They make fun of each other. And they, one of the guys goes, oh, I'll go, I'll go out and take care of this. He goes down there, and this rabbit goes bonkers and, yeah. and, uh, and decapitates him, takes his head yeah. off. And there's blood, and there's all kinds of crap going all over the place. And it's kind of like, what? And then the other guys go down there to fight him and, and they all get wiped out too. You know, so it's, they're, they're, they've been decimated by the killer rabbit and pretty soon they're all hightailing it out of there. Right. But it's, it's, it's pretty darn funny. But that's the backstory is, you know, this is a, this is a farce on a farce. Right. I mean, it, it's make, it's a, it's a means of humor, which was used back then that people don't know about. But we're going to stick it in the movie and we'll have our inside chuckle about it. Oh, and, they uh, and I think the interesting thing is now what eventually allowed them? What did they have to use in order to get into the cave? Remember, the, 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 no, you're, you're going to tell hand, us. 
I've been talking it's too the, much. I'm about to pass out. No, Go ahead. Oh, come on. I think it's a hand grenade of, I forget what the name of it is. Uh, but they use it. They had to go and get a hand grenade in order to to then yeah. go in and, and explode and get rid of the, of the rabbits. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the kind of stuff that goes in, kind of goes into your head and doesn't have any place to go and goes back out again. It's right. it's just fun, though. It's fun. I mean, Monty Python stuff, and I can't say enough about it. I'm a big fan. John has just not seen as much of it well, as Mary Jane I, and I, I not, have, I'm not. But. I'm not a big med- medieval history guy. So as a result, I kind of shied away from it. But it, it's probably be. I should probably well, go back and take a deep dive into it. Yeah, well, the oh, skits, well. the skits they have on their their TV program, their BBC TV, TV program, are just all over the place. They're not all medieval, of course. And like yeah. Brian is about the, the birth of Christianity, and a guy named Brian who was in the manger next to uh, our Savior, the Lord. Um, uh, yeah, I think the the thing that get that gets me that's really really good is that they realize this whole idea of the British Empire. It's like, oh, come on, you're gonna be kidding. We British yeah. Empire, yeah, you know, like, oh yeah, we we still got the British Empire. It's all intact. We're 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 doing well here, aren't we? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not. No. Well, you you know you haven't. I'll give you. I'll give you something. I'll give everybody some homework, including you, John. If, if you're not a Monty Python fan, then what you want to do is go on YouTube and look up the Ministry of Silly Walks. Ah, it's, okay. It's the ulti- It's the ultimate of the British Empire. <laughs> it's the ultimate. <laughs> and it's a. It's a. I'm not going to say anything more about it. The Ministry of Silly Walks. Wow, <laughs> you won't believe it. I mean, you know, it's it's best. Just a little advice if you're going to watch Monty Python. It's good to be a little punchy when you see it. You know, if you've had a long day at work and you haven't quite, you know, gotten your wits together and what have you, by the time you get home, if you got knocked around a little bit on the subway or, you know, whatever, this is the perfect time to watch Monty Python. Well, I'm glad I got that homework assignment. I've written it down. Okay. We have a word. We got a word. We got a word. The word is ambit. A-M-B-I-T. And what it means is a sphere of operation or influence, limit, perhaps, boundary or circumference. So it's sort of a circle what's within a sphere of influence. And here is my example sentence. Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election and the resulting attack on the U.S. Capitol place him squarely within the ambit of the disqualification clause in the 14th Amendment. So uh, that's from an article in the uh, Atlantic Monthly, which uh, leads us on to our uh, into our two takes. What can I say? Dun dun dun. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Two takes. Uh, I have to tell you, John. This was this was something that you and I and our brother Jeff and our, our brother Walter we all had a good browsing conversation about over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. There's several facets to this, and why don't you just kind of run run it down for us a little bit? History. Yeah, background. I'll give you the distilled a little bit here. What we've got going for us is that well, the the background is you know what's on the news right now is all this mountain of criminal charges that are that are going against Trump. And there's one thing that is kind of left by the wayside, and that is, although it might sway public opinion, there is nothing in the law that says that a person 
that head that's running for president can't do it if he's as he if he's indicted or even convicted a convicted felon. In fact, what we're that's finding right. out is this whole process works uh, uh, goes through it. Is it appears to galvanize Trump supporters rather than dissuading them or making them think twice? I'll think is maybe once would be too much for them. But that's another point. Now, I now, so now, now. I shouldn't get so political. You shouldn't say I'm that. Me. You shouldn't say that. I'm I have friends. <laughs> You're in Iowa. Be careful, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, with that in mind, what we've got to do is we've got to figure a way that we can make him disqualified. Now, the U.S. Constitution sets out the obvious ones requirements and they are you have to be 35 years old you gotta have been a resident for 14 years had to be a naturalized born citizen and you cannot run to for two full terms beyond two full terms so but something in the constitution provides us with a means by which we can call a person disqualified disqualified from uh, running for office and this is the third section of the 14th amendment which says no person who has taken an oath as an officer of the United States, can hold the office if they have engaged in insurrection or rebellion rebellion against the same or given aid to comfort the enemies thereof. And what's happened is that our legal beagle eatles or whatever they call the you know the lawyers that are in the <laughs> ivory towers, the scholarly experts of the constitutional law, have concluded that this clause in the 14th Amendment disqualifies Trump from running from office because of his efforts to overturn the election with, you know, the January 6th, et cetera. So, uh, and where does this all come from? Why do we have this provision? Well, yeah, it was put yeah. back just after uh, the Civil War because it wanted, they wanted to keep Confederates from uh, actually running for office and, and maybe uh, causing a lot of trouble. But that's the rob. Everybody says, well, it looks like it, 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 it works, but there's one problem. That problem is enforcement. And we listen, uh, we listen to a whole show where these guys who are considered the best with the scholars, they were asked the question enforcement. And we were a little bit uh, dismayed by the fact that they didn't exactly hit dead center what enforcement would entail as it relates to okay this. so hang on hang on you're on the bro show now you're listening to the bro show so now you're going to you're going to get this let's have it let's scoop. have it okay, the scoop is is that this is a law that would be or th this amendment could only be enforced by uh, state authorities so how it works is that the state authority who basically runs the elections in each different state has the uh, has the ability to take on a, a person, a, a registration and saying, by the way, you're disqualified because of the insurrection or whatever happened on January 6th, etc. So that means that election comes up, person gets on the ballot, the secretary of state of that state could then look at it and say, well, by the way, uh, we will, uh, you know, you're disqualified. And then, of course, probably lawsuits would be going left and right. But that's the way it would be enforced. And you're saying, well, how, when and when is this going to happen? Well, unfortunately, it's not going to happen until January when people start registering and they start this trail of state, state primaries. Yep. And, uh, and, and that's the way that it would work. And so you're saying, well, gee, do we have to wait that long? Uh, well, that we read an article by The Guardian. The Guardian's really good. They gave a lot of detail. Yeah, and, we, and what we found out was that that there are some organizations that have already taken upon themselves to educate 
the secretary of states or the board or election boards of these various, you yeah. know, the states. And th- th- this is probably a good idea because the secretaries of uh, the, the state secretaries probably need to be brought this, the, this to be brought to their attention. They will mm-hmm. take a look and say, well, let's take a look at this guy's uh, uh, his birth certificate. Yeah, he was born U.S. Oh, let's take a look at his age. Oh, yeah, he's above 35. But nowhere are they going to see anywhere very explicit this amendment and uh, and the section. So yeah. that's the reason that they've they've done this. There's also the possibility that the actual candidates might say, "Look, we are. Oh, this is an unfair. This is a uh, isn't a level playing field. You're basically putting somebody on the ballot for this state that is disqualified because of the." Of this amendment, so uh, that's another possibility. So yeah. it's a it, this is a bit of a stretch, but you know what? Desperate times call for desperate measure, measures, and this might yeah. be something that actually gets played out. The problem is all hell breaks loose, as we know, because this will hit the courts probably all the way to the Supreme Court as it's played out. But the important and, and so, but the last thing we want to do is all of a sudden elect a, 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 a president and then after the fact to say, by the way, I think he's disqualified. <laughs> you know, that is what No, you don't want to do it. You want to get on this right away. And, you know, there's a here, my concern about this. And I've heard that I've seen this written in some of the other articles. And I think it's in The Guardian, too, yeah. is that it sets it sets a really terrible precedent. And that yeah, is that, that like mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's justifiable. And, you know, uh and John didn't say anything about it, but, you know, this is particularly for was written for Confederate people who, who wanted to run for office, who had who had participated in a, in a conspiracy to overthrow the government. OK, an insurrection or secession. So that's what it's for. And it just so happened that during the January 6th riot, there were a lot of Confederate flags. Right. Mm, that I so, did not mention. Yeah, so that is in there too. Now it may sound ridiculous, but people need memory devices, mnemonic mm-hmm. devices, and that should do it for the secretaries of state and get them thinking. Now, but this is a bad precedent because what happens ten years from now, or even four years from now, when there's another election and everybody who who got the stink end of this deal says. <laughs> Right. Who says, hey, that guy's an insurrectionist. I heard him talk at a cocktail party and here's what. He yeah, said. yeah, yeah. See, so You're so it could right. be trivialized. Yeah. It could be trivialized and and poorly applied. So however this happens, it has to be done extremely carefully. Right. And you might notice that Merrick Garland, the current uh, attorney general of the United States. He's very careful about how he does things with this kind of thinking in mind because he realizes he's making history and and everybody in in office should be thinking that way they shouldn't be thinking short term they should understand that what they're doing is going to be viewed 20 30 40 50 60 years from now 600 years from now probably so you have to you have to be careful you know and thoughtful and think about what what this means for your children, your grandchildren. Amen. Good point. And I would also, I, I think I should have mentioned the fact that uh, it's maybe pretty 
implied, but this has never been tried at the presidential level, although early in our history uh, with relating to this amendment, it has been done with respect to lower uh, positions, uh, federal positions. So um, it hasn't been tried at the state at the presidential level. So that's another thing. And that kind of plays into what you said. Let's be careful as we proceed. Yeah, so let's do it. Oh, well, uh, let's not be careful and let's have a couple groaners. Okay, our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr. So here we go. First one, what do a smartphone and a vacuum cleaner have in common? They both suck. That's good. It's quick. It's, I'm going to give you some. Yeah, it's a, it's instinctive. I appreciate that. It's it's kind of got the right idea. They both have been collecting your dirt for years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. I like that. Okay, so here's another one. This is a little. It's a lot of words here, so let me go through it. Why did the not so smart high school student feel that he was destined to major in astronomy? Why did the not so Smart high school student feel he was destined to major in astronomy because he was always spaced out. You are you are ninety nine percent there. I'll give it a little wordsmithing and for you for your answer because your answer is right. His okay. advisor told him he was already taking up space. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Your your one yours is crueler than mine was. I was yeah, I know. <laughs> You are a cruel man. All right. Later. Oh, mission accomplished. Out of here.